Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled The Fear of the Lord Tendeth to Life. It shall be focused on the study of Proverbs chapter 19. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and Solomon teaching us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. We pray, Father, we come to ask of sound wisdom from the sound knowledge. And for you told us that the time shall come when the true worshipers shall worship you in spirit and in truth. May your word impart life unto us today. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Proverbs chapter 19. Chapter 19 Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting to him. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. Delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion, but his favor is as dew upon the grass. A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his ways shall die. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, for if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Hear counsel, and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. The desire of a man is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom, and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. And reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. He that wasteth his father, and chaseth away his mother, is a son that causeth shame, and bringeth reproach. 
Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scorners, and stripes for the back of fools. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Rev. William Burnham titled Blind Bartimaeus. This was preached in 1957 on August the 9th. We'll begin at paragraph 1 up to paragraph 52. I trust you find it to be a blessing. You may be seated. I didn't get to see the man that did that singing. It was a real good job. Oh, thank you. My favorite song. I guess you know the author, Mr. Cliburns. Who's Cliburns? Answer. It's wonderful. How many enjoyed that song? Oh, that was just... That's next to only believe. <laughs> that was a good one. And I was talking to some friends of mine just as I come up, Mr. and Mrs. Doble. I was asking about the little baby ten years ago when it was here. The Lord gave me a vision, seeing her holding a boy baby in her arms. And uh, she taken sick. And years passed. But the boy baby's here now. <laughs> and so... She was back there. We, I met them just behind the stage. And my little boy, Joseph, walks around to meet her just now. And they were having a little time of fellowship. And Brother Bosworth, the old gentleman, you know him, he used to, he's got a great sense of humor. He says, Brother Branham, you know what fellowship is? I said, well, I think so. He said, it's two fellows in one ship. <laughs> Makes the fellowship. That's about right. It's Baptist Close Communion. <laughs> and so there has been some complaints about the speaking not uh, vibrating or something other back but uh, they said tonight it had cleared up does it sound alright better back there tonight can you hear better back in the back can raise up your hands you can hear alright that's fine fine that's good the tomorrow afternoon there's a tonight pardon me tonight we have made a promise that's the reason I could come in without coming under the anointing and so forth and and talk with you a little while. We have given Friday night now. The best of our calculation of the ministers here counting has been about between seven and eight hundred accepted Jesus Christ as Savior since we've been in the city. And so to that we're very happy. What we've been trying to do is to have faith, to find favor with God. And then if we can put first things first, then we think God will give us favor now for the next two or three nights for great healing services. We believe that he will do it. Of course, we're still asking sinners to come to Christ. And so the Mr. Mercer here, one of my associates, the tape recording, him and Mr. Gold, tells me that the books are out, but they will take the orders if you want them, and they'll be sent to you. And we didn't bring but just a few of them, and we had to distribute them between Tacoma and here. So they will take the orders on through, but they, I don't think you have any books. Is that right, Leo? Don't have no books, but you still have tapes and a few of the pictures left. Is that right? Just a few of the pictures left. Now, I do not, as I said in the beginning of the meetings, I do not, I'm not a book salesman. I buy those books from Mr. Lindsay. I get 40 cents less. Well, I, time you bring them across the country and the lossage and then we don't in Canada we never put a price on anything 
We just set it out there. I know what it's supposed, what it costs us. But if the people wants it, can't afford it by paying for it, take it anyhow. We give it to you. So therefore, we in these pictures, that belongs to the Duddy, Douglas Studios in Houston, Texas, and it's copyrighted. Remember the American Photographer Association, and one hangs in a religious hall in Washington, D.C., and under it is written, the only supernatural being that was ever scientifically proven to be taken. The only supernatural being that was ever scientifically proven. And so they're just something, little little tokens of the meeting. I don't, I don't know what they, what they even pay for them when they get them. But ever what it is, that's what you get it for. And so they're not us that goes right straight back to the studios, you see. So we, we don't, uh, they're copyrighted. And just bring them along, and we don't sell books or do things. We're not here. We don't want your, we say write to us. We don't mean to get your address so we can ask you to support something. We don't have nothing to support. The only thing you can support me by is your prayers. That's all. I don't have any radio program, no television programs. Just have a little office there. We mail out many handkerchiefs and things across the world daily. And it, my expenses runs me about 75 to $100 a day. That's a year round at home. And so just enough that I have to stay on the field all the time. Somebody here some time ago offered me a great big offering of several thousand dollars. I refused to take it. I said, I don't need that. Just put it in foreign missions. And I, Lord will supply for me just as the days go by. That's the way I want to live. Just for the day. I don't know about tomorrow. He takes care of that for me when tomorrow comes. But I just have the day to live for it. Now tonight, we're going to pray for every person that has a prayer card tonight. And then tomorrow afternoon, Mr. Rasmussen, a former uh, pastor of this city, a man that I have learned to love with real Christian love and respects, and I know all that knows Brother Rasmussen says the same. And he's speaking here each afternoon. And then tomorrow night, Billy says that people are not here so that they can give prayer cards to him uh, enough when he gets here. We don't want to interrupt with the other services. So tomorrow afternoon, prayer cards will be given out after 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon here in the auditorium. And perhaps Sunday, the closing also. Now, I hope if there's someone here that doesn't understand English, why... That someone sitting next to him will tell them tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock. I think that's when the services start, isn't it? Right. Two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And the prayer cards will be given here at the afternoon service. But now when you get a card, come back so you can be prayed for because tomorrow night they'll be called. And then we're going to try with the grace of God now, feeling that we found favor with him, to place these other nights in praying for the sick. Everybody, we got about two or three hundred prayer cards, they tell me, out here tonight. So we want to take our time and just speak to you just a short time in the Word. On we're going to speak on now, divine healing, how to accept it. Mr. Rasmussen will be giving lectures on that, how to accept your healing. And now, tonight, I wish to read for uh, just a little text found in... St. Luke, the 19th chapter, in the 42nd verse. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, 
Thy faith has saved thee. You notice that name there, the way that's written? Thy faith has saved thee. Now, the scholars here, I'm not. But when I find a word, I go back to my Greek to look it up. Now, that word in the Greek is sozo. So, the word saved for salvation is sozo. Same one for healing. Sozo. Means that they were physically saved or spiritually saved. Both word applies because it was by the same atonement, the same man on the same day. He was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes. We were healed. So, our scene opens tonight and just for a short time so we can have time to run the prayer line through. Our scene opens at the south gate of Jericho. And to the one that we're looking at is a beggar. He became quite middle-aged man or a little better. And let's just turn our thoughts to him for a few moments and learn by his action what we should do tonight when we come to the line. Now, it was in a day that when the the Jews were all under heavy taxation from the Roman government and times were very hard and there were many beggars in the city and in Jerusalem and all of Judea many afflicted people who could not make their livelihood in the fields working they were lame blind lepers oh such a scene I wonder if there'd be anybody in here ever seen leprosy. Let's see your hands if there has been. I don't even see a hand that's ever seen leprosy. Well, I've hugged lepers in my arms. And I used to think that it was contagious. But it isn't. Leprosy is caused by an insufficient diet. And it is not contagious. I've had lepers with no hands, ears eat off. Just stand and hug them. They'd weep down into Africa, into India, and different places where they have so much leprosy. And I was watching a man one day when we was in Bombay. The American people had given me some money to give to the poor. I just loved to do those things. And I'd change it into rupees. And I started out into the street to give it away to the beggars, the poor people. And they almost had to get the militia to get me back in again, just running over me. And all night, when they learned I had some money and was there in the Taj Motel, or hotel, that's at the gates of India, I could hear them hollering, Padra, Padra, all night. Now, it's not an Indian word. Padre really means father in Spanish. But Spanish is spoke quite a bit in there. And it was all night. I couldn't eat. I go to the window. I want to ask you Canadian people to see how grateful you are to God for your wonderful nation here. And there they were laying in the streets. Little babies with their little bellies swelled up like that. Dying, starved to death. 
little mothers holding their little babies, their face and jaws all sunk in. Man coming down the streets, nothing but a loincloth on. Little old half-starved monkey following behind him. They laid on the street like cardwood. And when they would die over the night, they would pick them up, go down to a great salamander. No John 14 ceremony, just dump them in. They don't know who they are or where they come from. They just died on the street. They're beggars, and that's all. You don't know how to appreciate a real nation like you live in. That's right. You, Canadians. And I think in the face of that, we are to try to hold these nations by prayer, doing what we can to keep this the way it is. Oh, what a pitiful sight to see lepers and beggars. And I, to what I was trying to get at, there was a man running around there. We'd take these rupees and throw them out the window to them. And when they did, they there was a fellow there that didn't have any arms. Lepers said, eat him off up on his arms. And it gets kind of white like warts, and it just drops off your arms and what more. And I said to Billy, my boy, I said, how could that fellow ever pick up a rupee? So he went down and the watchman at the door. He went out, went down to another part of the hotel, got to throwing the, the rupees out down there for them. And as soon as they could get them, they'd take around the corner where they could get some curry. Now, a rupee is 24 cents. And it would, um, it would keep them for two or three days on 24 cents. It cost about three cents to get a little plate of curry. And what it was, sheep feet boiled up with the hair still on it and, and so forth. And little Ryle was terrible. Go through the street with your fingers on your nose. And then, then the slave markets, where they took young women there, just bring young, beautiful women up and auction them off like you would a cow or anything else. You don't know what it means to live in a nation that still has respect for God. And I, Billy got these fellows all down that way, all the rest of them, and I motioned to that man with no hands, and I throwed a rupee out, and they wasn't noticing it circled to the ground. You know how he got it up? licked it up with his tongue on that dirty, filthy street, and around the corner he went screaming top of his voice to get him something to eat. And think, you raked out your garbage can tonight, enough to feed them. That's right. We're just not grateful enough. And in the day that we read of tonight, it was like scenes like that, that our Lord saw. And then... A beggar in these special days when taxation and so forth was so high, when a man came out to go to his work, he could perhaps just afford one coin a day. And the first beggar that he come in contact with, well, that was the, the lucky one. He couldn't give maybe two coins a day. And there were hundreds of beggars. Let's imagine tonight that our character that we're speaking of, Barnabas, that he had been standing, it had been a bad morning. He hadn't been able to find anyone who could give him a coin. And it was a cold October morning, so his ragged coat he had wrapped around him, he just kind of shivered a little and fell his way back till he hit the wall, and he sat down by the side of the wall. And in the warm sun, as it began to warming, he began to think, study, 
Do you like to do that? I do. Just get away to yourself somewhere. Sit down. Think it all over. And while he was sitting there thinking, he hears the little clipping of the hoofs coming down the street. Old cobblestone street that runs by there. It's been there for many, many years. And as this little clipping, he knew it was someone approaching. So he raised his up and he said, Please give to me a coin this morning. I am blind. And he almost staggers right into the little mule. And the one on the mule said, One side, beggar. I am on my road into the city. And I am the servant of the Lord. And there is coming a fanatic to this city today. And we must get with the council of the churches and stop this stuff before it ever gets into the city. And I'm on my road now to see that this is stopped. I have no time for a beggar, so step to one side. Find out he was a priest. And he said, O servant of the Lord, said the blind man, I would not interfere with you on your commission to God. I am sorry I stopped you. But what is this fanatic that's coming? Oh, it's that man who's the divine healer up there, the Galilean prophet, he calls himself. And he's on his road here, and I'm the head of the ministerial association, so I have to see that none of that stuff gets scattered in our city around here. So I'm on my way, one side beggar, and on he goes. Then he moves back over to the warm sunshine and sets down again. There he begins to get a new thought. A Galilean prophet is to come to this town, a healer. Well, then he begins to dream. You know, his mind goes back to many years previous to that, when he was a little black-headed Jewish boy used to play out on the hillsides of the Jordan River. And one of his greatest delights was to go in in the afternoon before his nap time and let his mother get him up in her arms. And how he used to look at those big, soft eyes of his mother as she stroked his little black hair back out of his eyes and begin to tell him Bible stories. You know, there's something about bringing up a child in the way that it should go. Teach it the right thing, and when it's old, it'll not depart from it. And he used to remember the stories that his mother told him of the great, mighty Jehovah. Of how Jehovah used to blast forth his voice in a time of trial and change the situation. How that he used to love to hear especially that story of Elijah the prophet. And how that he, Elijah went in and laid his body upon the body of a little dead baby. And that prophet was so anointed until the little baby come to life again. Oh, that just thrilled his heart. And it thrills my heart. I can think of the story when this Shunammite woman had been kind to that man of God. She didn't do it to receive anything. 
But you just can't not help from receiving a reward when you're good to God's children. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you shall give one of these little ones as much as a cup of water, you will in no wise lose your reward. So be kind to one another. If the meal barrels empty over to that house, take them something over there. Be kind. If the widow needs some coal, buy her some. God will bless you for it. And so, showing all the kindness, this Shunammite woman had built a little side room for the prophet to lay in. And the prophet said, go see if she wants me to speak to the king for her. She said, no. She dwelt among her people and everything was all right. But Gehazi said she has no children. And Elijah blessed her, prayed for her, and she received the child. When it was about 12 years old, I think the little fellow must have had a sunstroke. He's out in the field with his daddy in time of harvest. And he began to scream, my head, my head. And a young man carried him to his mama. She set him on their lap, and at long about noon, he died. And now, aside from her text for a moment, I want you to watch the gallant faith of that woman. She tucked the little baby and laid him on Elijah's bed. That's a good place to put him. On the bed where the prophet had laid, where a house where home, where prayer has been made. That's the place to go. And she said to her servant, Saddle me one of those mules, and don't you stop, lest I bid you, and go straight to the prophet. Now she knew that if she could get to the prophet, she'd find out why her baby had died. Well, God don't always tell his prophets everything that he does. He just tells his prophets what he wants them to know. So, on the road over, Elijah looked out of his cave and he said, Here comes the Shunammite. And she's got sorrow in her heart. And God has kept it from me. I don't know what's wrong with her. So, when she got close, he said, Is all well with thee? All well with thy husband? Is all well with the baby? Now listen, mother, that woman with her baby laying dead in the room, she said, all is well. I love that. See, Elisha was God's representative on the earth at that time. And she knew if she could get to God's servant, she might. She wasn't thinking of her baby back. She had no idea of it. But she knew she would probably find out this man could ask God and God would talk to him and tell why they took the baby. And she said, all is well. And then she began to reveal to him what had happened. Now Elijah said, you take this staff and run before me and lay it on the baby. I said the other night, I believe that's where Paul got laying on handkerchiefs. Elisha knew that what he had touched was blessed. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's the reason we lay hands on the sick. Now, but what happened? The woman's faith was not in the staff. It was in the prophet. 
So she said, as the Lord liveth and your soul liveth, I'll not leave you. So there wasn't but one thing for the prophet to do that was gird up his loins, get started with her. I like that. Hang on to it. When you're satisfied, you're right, stay with it. And she, the prophet went on, and the boy took the stick and laid it on the child, but no life. He met them coming back. Elijah walked into the room not knowing what to do. But he walked back and forth, up and down in the room, praying, and went and laid his body on that little dead baby, his lips against its lips and his nose against its nose, and the baby sneezed seven times and come to life. Oh, how little Barnabas loved that story. You like that story? The little blonde-headed girl sitting here? All right, that's a beautiful story. And that's what God is yet today. Do you believe that little boy sitting there? You do? That's good. All oh, them's nice stories, and they're the truth. And little Barnabas, how he loved that story. But oh, you know what? The preacher said that those days were all past. God didn't do that no more. But how wrong those priests were. God never changes. Just the same all the time. Never changes. He's still Almighty God. And if He can't do all things, then He's not Almighty God. And if He is Almighty God, He can do all things. So then, little Barnabas happened to think then of another story that he liked real well. And not over... 500 yards from where he was sitting. One time the great Jordan in the month of April when the Judean hills the snow had melted all the fields were flooded with water. The greatest time the floods. The great angry muddy waves are rolling down from the mountains of Judea down through the plains. And the Jordan had swelled way out, and it was many times its size. But just at that time, Israel arrived on the other side. You see, God gave them a promise on this side. They were on their road to claim that promise. And Everything that stands in the way of God's promise has to give away. No matter whether it's the worst time or the worst kind of sickness or how muddy black it looks, everything gives away to God's promise. Certainly. And how he loved to hear his mother tell how the lightning roared in that big Jordan wave back and held her peace until two million Israelites crossed over on foot. Oh, that made his little heart. He'd almost go to sleep and he'd shake his head and say, Mama, tell me another story. Then he remembered too that not standing 150 yards from where he was sitting, a great thing happened. And right not 20 yards from where he was sitting, down that same road, over those same old cobblestones. About 400 years previous to that, the great 
mighty prophet Elijah and Elisha come down that road arm in arm going towards Jordan to make her open again. Why? When it opened again, God's the same. And so he thought, oh, if I could have only lived in those days. If I could just be sitting here blind. Then he scratched his head and said, what am I thinking these things? Since that priest said about that Galilean prophet. But I'm somehow or another, I'm beginning to think different. I haven't thought those stories for years. Something was fixing to happen. And when something in you begins to desire and seek out for God, something's fixing to happen. God knows how to get everything set up for His drama. Then we notice that as He began to think, if I would have been sitting here when Elisha, God usually has just one major prophet at a time, and Elisha was going down to the river to put his mantle, his coat, upon Elisha. And he was become prophet because Elijah was going up. And as they walked down by that gate side by side, he said, If I could have only lived in that day, I would have rose up from this place where I'm sitting. And I'd have rushed out into the street and said, Oh, prophets of God! Lay your hands on me. And I believe if you'll pray for me, God will restore my sight. But alas, the days of miracles has passed to him. The priest told him there was no such a thing as that happened anymore. Elijah had been gone for years. Elijah had been dead for years. And all Jehovah forgot the people. But he doesn't forget the people. He still remembers then he remembered just out from that gate that great Joshua had marched Israel right over those same cobblestones right around the walls of Jericho. And all of Jericho was shut up. Although they had the Israelite outnumbered many times, but the fear of the Lord went before them. They held their peace. One day when the great Joshua not very far from that same wall, was strolling along one afternoon, and he looked standing there on the side of a little bank. There stood a warrior with his sword pulled. Joshua pulled his sword, and he ran to meet him. He said, Are you for us? Are you for our enemy? And the stranger waved the sword in the air, said, Nay. But I am the captain of the host of the Lord. The mighty Joshua threw down his sword, took off his helmet, and ran and fell at his feet. Little did blind Barnabas know that less than 200 yards from there stood that same captain of the host of the Lord. And if the people in this exhibition room tonight here would only realize that that same captain of the host of the Lord stands here tonight. Amen. But he'd been told that those days were gone. After a while, his dream is erupted. Some little children run by and say, Did you get the scene? Did you get the scene? 
they were wondering what it was all about. Here come some ladies. And they were talking, oh, oh, wasn't it wonderful? And Barnabas began to ask, what's going on? Just around the corner, he heard a lot of noise. You know, somehow or another, where Jesus is, there's usually a little noise going on. In the Old Testament, the only way that they could tell the high priest was alive. When he went behind the holiest of holies, he might have been slain by the Lord. But he had a garment, and at the end of the garment, he had a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. And when he had to walk a certain way, and a man that wears the robe of God has a certain walk. He has to walk. And as he walked, them bells played holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And the only way the congregation could tell whether he was alive or not, they could hear a noise. I sometimes wonder when I go in some of these old cold morgues called churches, <laughs> icicles hanging down, spiritually speaking, the thermometer 40 below zero. I just wonder if there's anything in there alive. It is like my... Little brother, I caught a snapping turtle and I cut his head off. And anyone knows a snapping turtle just keeps on snapping if his head is cut off. And he was laying up on the bank and my little brother come along. He said, what'd you catch, Billy? I said, I, I got a turtle. He said, is that him? He said, yeah, where's his head? I said, laying up there on the bank. And he went up there and he started to take a stick to turn it over and he snapped the stick. He said, hey, I thought you said he was dead. Well, I said, I separated his head from his body. He should be dead. He scratched his head. He said, he's just dead and don't know it. <laughs> and that's just a whole lot of good theology in that. <laughs> oh, brother, when Christ comes, he brings life abundantly. Hallelujah. Said if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out when he was coming to Jerusalem. And we find out a noise was around the bend. He said, what's all the noise about? See, he had been thinking on those things. It had to happen. Have you been thinking on those things for tonight? If you have, it's going to happen. This has got to. You draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto you. And then, what took place? After a while, here come a bunch of people singing, Hosanna in the highest Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is this Galilean prophet, for he makes the blind to see and the deaf to hear. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then behind that come the critics, them priests and religionists of that day, saying, Shh, shut up! Hold your peace! There's nothing to that guy. Listen at it. Once in a while, something smashes against the wall. It's an overripe tomato or something. Throwing at him. Oh, if he could have only seen walking right down through that street. A little man, not too big. No beauty we should desire. Graying in his hair. Walking slowly. Not paying any attention. And there was that priest saying, Say, you holy roller. You that said you raised Lazarus from the dead. We got a whole graveyard full of them up here. Come raise them. Let us see you do it. You know, them kind of spirits never died. They still live. And the other one does too, thank God. 
Hey, you've done miracles up in another place. Let's see you perform a miracle here. We'll believe you, you hypocrite. We know that the days of miracles is past. Barnabas got all confused. He said, what is this anyhow? People just climbing over the top of him. After a while, a gentle little lady said, oh, beggar, I'm sorry that they've walked over you. What was you asking, sir? said, who is it that passes by that's causing all this commotion? One one way and one another. You know, when Jesus is around, it usually produces that kind of a crowd. One for him, one against him. One says it's the devil, another says it's God. And it hasn't changed. And so he said, there's something taking place and I don't understand what it is. And she said, uh, why, sir, have you never learned of Jesus of Nazareth? No, I don't believe I ever heard of him. Well, he's a great prophet out of Galilee. Oh, you should see him. Why, a woman just touched his garment here a few weeks ago. And he turned around and told her what her trouble was. And there was a, a little man just on the other side of this wall, climbed up in a sycamore tree this morning to see him. And his wife told him all about these things. And he said, oh, there's no such a thing as that. Them things don't happen. If that man does that, he's a devil. So Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree and pulled the limbs all around him so nobody would see him. He said, I'll stand here because I'm a great member of the church and I'll take this little leaf and raise it up here and he'll never see me. And when he passes under this tree, I'll get a good look at him and I'll tell the priest all about what I think of him. So when Jesus come around the corner and got under the tree, he stopped. Zacchaeus said, now I wonder what he's going to do. He looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going home with you today for dinner. Not only he thought he was hid, but Christ knowed him and knowed his conditions and knowed what his name was. He hasn't changed. He's still the same Jesus. Oh, she began to tell him, he said, well, isn't that the son of David that's been promised? Yes, that was enough to set his soul afire. It was his first opportunity. We've had many opportunities through this last week. But that was his first opportunity to ever come in contact with Jesus. And he raised up. Now the street runs just about the distance of the end of this arena here from the wall. And thousands of people swarming around him. Some hollering and screaming and others praising him. And he screamed, Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus could not have heard his voice. It's too far back if you'd ever there to look and see where it happened. And another thing with all that howling mob, he couldn't hurt it. But what was it? Jesus stopped and stood still. And he turned around. It wasn't his voice that stopped him. It was his faith that stopped him. An insignificant beggar trying to be pushed back. Jesus stopped and said, What would you that I would do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. He said, Receive your sight, for thy faith has saved thee. And as they go on down the street, I can see old blind Barnabas standing there looking for his fingers. He said, he told me, I'll take his word, I believe it. 
And the mob went on after a while. He began to see his fingers. And he began to follow the Lord rejoicing. Because he had received his sight. Some time ago, I read a little story. It may be fiction and it may not. About blind Barnabas. They say that he sat by the Jericho gates. He was a married man, had a wife and a little girl. And this little girl at the time of his healing was perhaps about 10 years old. Little curly-headed girl, just chubby enough to be lovable. And he had never seen the little child because he had been blind many years. And they say he had two little turtle doves. And they would do little enchantments, turn over each other, little tumbles. So that it would attract the attention of the tourists if he didn't have something to entertain the tourists like it is in India and different places. There's a little monkey or something. The monkey gets a stick and beats the man and attracts attention so he can beg. And blind Barnabas' little pigeons turned over each other so that it would attract the attention to watch the accuracy of those little doves or little doves making a little flip jump over on their feet again. And one night... His wife got sick, and the physician could not do anything for her. And he felt his way out along the side of the house, and he said, Oh, Jehovah, if you will be merciful and spare the life of my wife, I'll give you my two turtle doves. And his wife got well. So he goes and offers the turtle doves for an offering. Sometime later, he had a lamb. And in those days, the lamb led the man just like a, the blind man like the dog leads the blind man today and but lambs did it then they trained the lambs to lead the man and bar, blind Barnabas how he got back home of the evening was hook his lamb on his hand and the lamb would go home and he would lead his way lead him back to his home and his little girl got sick and she had an awful fever and the doctor came and said, Well, Barnabas, I don't think there's anything that I can do for her. She kept getting worse. So he went out into the night again, knelt down on his knees, and he said, God, if you'll heal my little girl, I'll give you my lamb. And the little girl's fever left. And the next day he was on his road up to sacrifice his lamb. And the priest come out. And he said, Where goest thou, blind Barnabas? He said, O priest of God, I go up to the temple to offer my lamb for a sacrifice. He said, I promised God that I would do it. Oh, he said, blind Barnabas, you can't offer that lamb. I'll give you some money and you go buy a lamb at the exchange and take a lamb and offer it. I'll give you the money. He said, thank you kindly, priest of God, but I never promised God a lamb. I promised God this lamb. Oh, my. There's a lesson in that. He said, you can't give that lamb Barnabas. That lamb is your eyes. He said, but, oh, priest of God, if I'll keep my promise to God... God will provide a lamb for Barnabas' eyes. Amen. That day when he heard 
that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. Watch faith go into action. He grabs his robe and throws it sideways for God had provided a lamb for blind Barnabas' eyes. God's provided lamb. And that same lamb's provided tonight for you, sir, on that cot. That lamb's provided for you there in them wheelchairs. That lamb's provided for you with heart trouble. That lamb's provided for you with cancer. He is the same lamb yesterday, today, and forever. And he's been the one that's led you here tonight for this great service just ready to take forth now. And if you are a sinner and don't know him in the forgiveness of your sins, he's a lamb provided to take away every blot off of your sinful life. Let us bow our heads just a moment now while we think on these things. And if the pianist or organist will give us just a little note, please. Just before prayer now, I wonder if someone in here who doesn't know this great, marvelous, meek lamb of God would say, God, I want to know that lamb for the forgiveness of my sins. My soul is spotted. I've made a profession, or maybe you have or have not. But I'll say but this, I'd like to accept him tonight as a lamb for my soul while I hold up my hand. Would you do it? Someone will be remembering prayer. God bless you here, lady. God bless you, sir, this man sitting here. Someone else would like for that lamb to lead you to the fountain. God bless you back there, sister. Anyone else on the bottom floor yet? God bless you, my brother over there. That's the way believe. If ye believe, God will supply everything you have need of. Is there another to the balcony? Is to my right? Would raise your hand and say, God, be merciful to me. Let the Lamb of God lead me to the fountains of the life, of water of life tonight. I am thirsty for Christ. I would love to, for Him to lead me. Would you do it? You're blind if you're a sinner. You don't know where you're going, man. If you're a church member, you're still blinded. You're blind by the creed of man. Is there another on to the right here, to the rear? The balconies to the rear. Quickly, balconies to my left here would raise your hand. It's just a little thing to do, but you, by your uplifted hand, you'd say, I, I now want, God bless you up there. That's, that's good. Someone else on the bottom floor now that hasn't raised their hand, God bless you back there, sir. God bless you. Whole group of you back there. God be with you. Over here to the right. God be with you. May He lead you tonight to Calvary where there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. I'm just watching the moving of some the Spirit as it's moving in the building. I'm just taking my time. Just letting it really soak in. Do you really 
really mean that you love him? All right. I just seen some hands going up and I was watching something take place. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the Lamb of God come quickly now. Lead each of these who raise their hands to that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Oh, and I can see him coming around the wall there at Jericho. His face set towards Calvary, going right on up to Jerusalem to be offered up into the hands of sinful man for a sacrifice to be a propitiation for our sins and sickness. And that howling mob, and yet with the the sins of the world bearing upon him and him being God Emmanuel, he certainly felt the load that was just before him. Dark Gethsemane was before him. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Solomon was teaching us that the wounds of a talebearer are as wounds. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the bed. May you help us to have character and character not to be talebearers between one another and hub and fostering divisions between each other, but may we have the spirit of unity among us for you told us, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So help us to have true love for one another. Like you said, no no longer a man hath for his friends than the fact that he laid down his life for him. So Father, we thank thee for that great love that you've shown us. Help us, Father, to show the same love to our neighbors. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. A child of God don't have to fear when trouble comes his way. He knows that the God he serves can turn the night to day. Like the three Hebrew children that stood for God that day. A child of God don't have to fear when trouble comes his way. When trouble comes his way, he just begins to pray. Then God the shepherd comes upon the
the Lord go our way. We should look to Jesus and not what others say. For God says that He'd go with you, go with you all the way. And a child of God don't have to fear when trouble comes His comes his way, he just begins to pray, then God the shepherd comes upon the scene, and then the king will say, I'm with you night and day, for a child of God don't have to fear when trouble comes his way.